0: Into another episode of Hockey Royalty Live, the official podcast of HockeyRoyalty.com. It's the first episode of 2023, so we're talking about Happy New Years. We're talking about Editors' a thousand games, the World Junior Championships, mid-season reviews, and some trade rumors for you guys. So get in the chat, like, and subscribe, and let's go. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, welcome in, man. The chat is already buzzing. We got uh, we got Carter scores in here. I'm here, Randon. You ain't got to tell me. We got Happy New Year from CJ. We got Happy New Year from Carter. Uh, you know, we, we the guys are ready to roll, man. They're ready for the first episode of 2023. I'm ready for the first episode of 2023. How you fellas doing? Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, I'm doing good.
1: The World Juniors are kicking off. Yeah, the Kings are playing. It's it's a good time for to be a hockey fan. That's for sure.
0: Well, bringing in the new year, guys, uh, happy new year to you both uh, since it hasn't really been said there. Uh, new year's is usually, uh, you know, some new year's resolutions. So what are maybe some resolutions or maybe small things you want to change this year? And then maybe, well, maybe one small thing you want to change with a Kings player or just the Kings in general. We'll start with Russ.
1: Ooh, new year's resolution for the Kings. I don't really have, man, I think I'm, a lot of it pertains maybe to the trade deadline. I'd like to see Rob Blake maybe get a little active, right? It's This team's looking pretty good. So maybe some upgrades could be on the horizon come deadline time. But uh, as far as for me, I was talking about um, maybe l- listening to, like, some new music. I'm a big Spotify guy. So I always, like, they have a playlist that's, like, Discover Weekly, which just plays a bunch of new music from artists you've never really heard of. So I used to get really into that and, like, find other artists. And then once you go down that rabbit hole of like learning all of their albums and listening, it, it, it becomes really cool because then you get to learn a new artist that you never heard of before. So I'm going to try to do that a little bit more this year. I
0: saw that they have a, that's a good goal. I, I saw that they have a new feature sometimes for certain playlists called enhance. Well, they'll, they'll okay. take the playlist that you created and enhance it by throwing in bands that maybe you haven't liked yet that are similar to that. Um, so I saw that being a pretty cool feature. I like it. I like it there. Uh, wanting Blakey to be more aggressive uh, as a new year resolution. Joe, where are you at my man?
2: Uh, I would say first for, I'm, I've never been like a big resolution guy, but I'll say like this year I've told myself, you know, it's life's busy. You know, I've got two, two little ones, busy family, wife, you know, a lot, a lot, lot of stuff going on at home. Um, I have a day job. I do the things for hockey royalty. I coach a hockey team. So what I've tried to do is yeah, I'm over four, by the way, we're January 4th, we're four days and I'm over four. But what I want to try to do and make a point of is, like even if it's just like 15, 30 minutes, just set, a t- set aside some time during the day for just me, like put everything away, whether it's, you know, read a book, do something active, work out, go for a walk just something for even if it's a short amount of time just take a little time to kind of reset uh because I, I i truthfully don't think i do enough of that and you know things just happen so fast that so we'll see that's my goal like i said not off to a great start but that's uh so, that's my goal. joe time, yeah.
0: time. That's
1: all we're joey joe
0: pads time. getting some time in for himself huh so yeah. what uh where where's your kings either a kings one or for a player on the kings where's the resolution <clears> for for that
2: Mine is a Kings organization one, uh, and and this is just for a a, a happy, but most importantly, a healthy uh, Alex Turcott for the remainder of twenty twenty three. That's what I would like Mine to is. see. That's what I want to wish for. For so for for uh, if there's one person in the Kings organization, uh, it would be Alex Turcotte. I was gonna say leading into the new year, like Todd McClellan to get a save, but he's got that with Phoenix Copley, so we don't have to worry about that.
0: <laughs> Oh man. Uh, So yeah, I've, I've had a a couple, I decided to go like a one major one, a couple small ones. I'm uh, trying to lose some LBs here, just like Carter's in here to be active outside of work down 17 pounds to September, man. Congratulations. Uh, So my goal is to be down 30 by June and then keep it off through December. So like my biggest detriment is football season. You know, like I'm out all day Sunday, Mm -hmm. drinking them beers, eating, eating bad. So um you know it's just something to take care of and then i want to do 5 to 10 minutes of uh learning a language and 5 to 10 minutes of reading uh you know 5 days a week so there you go i'm going to try yes. to do the reading um audio books on the way home from work and then on my lunch break do some uh learning a new language so yeah just try a little something small something easy something attainable to build confidence on and um uh, uh it's building confidence on my new year's resolution is uh, the same is, uh, as Carter's here, but maybe not as uh, as uh, as mean there. But uh, Quentin Byfield, my New Year's resolution is to, is for him to put up and and put up some numbers and show that he can be a number two overall pick or he was worthy of that pick and and see some real progression. Uh, whether it's been injury, whether it's been illness or COVID or him being young or them choosing to put him in the AHL, uh, you know I'm tired of the excuses and I want him to I want to see the progression. And I'm, I'm rooting for the kid. I like, this is the first step was him playing on the first, uh, first line. Uh, we'll get into that going forward, but I want to see him start building on that and, you know, maybe get dropped back down to the third line and, and be the, be the driver of that line, be the deno of that line and where he's really driving force and to where he can be that force. Like we talked about last week in the playoffs, when we get into seven game periods, we're maybe take over for a period. And he's the reason we win a game. And so, um, you know, I'd like to see that from him and, and see more consistent flashes. And, uh, that's, I think that's my new year's resolution for, uh, for the Kings there.
1: I like it. Sounds good to me.
0: So resolution for, for the world junior championships, uh, a lot of teams trying to get the medals there. Uh, we finished the semifinals where the Czech team, uh, played Sweden. Uh, they ended up winning two to one in overtime, uh, David here check the hero of that game. Uh, if you guys didn't read my article on him last year, I thought he would have been the unsung hero draft pick for the Kings. If he would have fell right. I thought he was going to fall a little bit farther, uh, with injury, but we ended up getting a pretty good consolation prize in Kevin Fiala for that pick. So not to hurt on that. And then the second game, uh, had two Kings prospects in it, uh, with the six, two final, uh, Canada over the United States, even though Canada was uh, United States was up two to one in the first. I was at work, so I was unlucky enough to watch both of these. I know you guys were tre- tweeting back and forth uh, in our group chat. Let's just let's just throw open forum. Uh, where do you guys want to start with this one? Let's start with the Czech game and, and what did you guys see from from those teams and maybe some young stars to watch out for in uh, the NHL in years to come.
1: I, I watched actually pretty much the whole entire Czech game. Uh, Czech Sweden. I thought, yeah, David Hrachek, he's a uh, stud. Uh, Randy, we were talking about this before we hopped on here. <laughs> he looks like a veteran NHL player when you watch him play. He just he even looks like an older guy than what he is. And he's so poised on the ice. And Sweden had an early lead. They, they were up one nothing pretty much throughout the game. And the third period, they just decided to be so passive. I, I, I was watching it, and I'm thinking to myself, like, man, Sweden is just welcoming Czech Republic or Czechia to, to – tie the game at any point and sure enough 38 seconds left that's exactly what happened and um i think i believe it was here that tied the game and they ended up yeah. winning in overtime too so there'll be a there'll be a force for uh canada in the final they're, they're a really fun team to watch that's for sure
0: yeah you got here first round pick you got Gabriel uh, Citek, uh or david uh, Spacecheck and yuri kulich a lot of high picks for that check team going to see how the world uh, championship team and the Olympic team starts to these young stars coming up through the ranks and how they'll kind of compete on that level. Joe, did you have, did you get to watch any part of that game? And I,
2: I I did miss the entire check game, but I know just piggybacking a little bit off of Russ with, with your check. And again, I, 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 whenever I I see his name or bring him up, I have to give stick taps to Randon. He was the one that, that turned me on to him a while ago when you wrote that article and he's really evolving into a heck of a prospect. Um, he's had a hell of a tournament. He could be one of the best players in this tournament if it wasn't for Connor Bedard. I um, know, and, and and Yuri Kulich, he's had a hell of a tournament. And the Sabers, who have, have got a, a stockpile of po- prospects now, have another exciting one that can fire the puck. Uh, so they're, they're they're a good looking team, and uh, it doesn't get much better than a uh, a Czech Canada final, given how this tournament started.
0: Yeah, yeah, Kulich, I think was. Uh, shot of the draft like he had the best shot in last year's draft or best release one of them yeah. uh and so you know is is definitely a good shooter and and he's a prospect to work out for uh but where the kings fans have the most interest we have we have the the united states and the canada game with uh my boy Brant clark uh throwing down a goal today uh and then kenny connors as well uh, another prospect for for the kings Russ, get into this game here. Like, I mean, obviously the first period starts out great for the United States. They set the tone, get two goals out of the gate. Uh, top three pick in Loathing Cooley gets it started for the red, white, and blue. How did this game kind of look to you going in?
1: Well, the first period, U.S. dominated pretty much. I thought, like, it, it, it didn't even look like Canada should have belonged on the rink with them. That, that's how good they were playing. They were offensive zone for U.S. the entire, the entire frame. But I, but I believe it was 2-1. Was it 2-1 going into the second, Joe? Yep. or yes. yeah so two one going to the second uh Canada got one back Kenny Connors scores which is he, he he's looks pretty good this entire tournament he's he skates really well they they show a lot of trust in him too he, he, he plays on the power play so I'm really excited to see what Kenny Connors can kind of uh, develop into as as to, uh, to a player uh, but then the second period just kind of got away from the us there was some I guess there were controversial goaltender interference calls. The first one I, I can see where people can rate where it raises a little eyebrows. Apparently the IHF rules are a little bit, or, or I guess a lot more strict than the NHL rules. So uh, I believe it was Jackson Blake who got caught, who was turning around in the, um, in the crease and caught the Canada goaltender and maybe bumped him a little bit. And so they ruled it. A, it was a goal on the ice, but then video review, then they turned it or they overturned it. So that one I can see there being a little bit of controversy. The second goaltender interference was, to me, it was clear as day. I'm watching that. I'm like, okay, that's <laughs> for sure going to be goaltender interference. And I don't know why the NHL network announcers were so like, they were talking about, like, oh, we're going to have to have a referee summit over this. I'm like, all right, dude, relax. Like, that's the, the Canada goalie had the clearly had the puck underneath his pad. You can say, yeah, the U.S. player is fighting until the, he hears a whistle, which I totally get. He sh- that's exactly what he should be doing. But if you look at the video, the puck is not loose. It's it's clearly under the pad. And just because there's no whistle doesn't mean that it gives every right for any U.S. player just to push the goalie's pad in, out of the way and push the puck into the net. So they overturned that one. And if, that seemed to be kind of the turning point of the entire game. And Canada just ended up running away with it.
2: Yeah, I actually think the rule's pretty, it, it, in a lot of ways, it's a lot more clear than the NHL. It, it is more strict, as you said, Russ. I mean, I'm, I'm reading it right now, 69.1 of the IIHF rulebook is goals should be disallowed if an attacking player, either by positioning, so when thinking of that first goal, or by relevant contact, impairs the goalkeeper's ability to move freely within the goal crease or defend their goal. Those are both no <laughs> goals. I mean, it's, it's actually pretty cut in your eye. So yeah i I don't know i don't seeing them live you know you thought they were goals but then obviously when you Mm -hmm. see the replays and and you read the rule after the fact i guess it's you can understand why they called them that way um yeah it was another canada u.s game that was just chaos for a little while there Mm -hmm. um tire fire of a game uh the canada goaltender really did a great job in the second period holding the u.s off the board and that really kind of you know, thing, things really turned there. He made some pretty key saves. Um, you know, a, a, a U.S. player that I, I kind of was was fun to watch to me was Lane Hudson. We talked a lot about him leading into the yeah. draft. You're a very undersized defenseman, but incredibly skilled. He looks a lot, he looked like a lot of fun. Uh, so I think uh, he's with Montreal. From yeah, that was, yeah. Yeah. Boy, he's, they, he's got they, some
1: Jordan Spence to him, right? That's kind of the yeah. player that reminds me of.
2: Yeah. They, they, the Montreal had a pretty good day today. Uh, uh, in, in terms of prospects uh, performing well. So no, all in all, it was a frustrating game from a U.S. standpoint, but certainly a, uh, a fun game. And it's another, uh, you know, Canada's gonna be on their way to probably winning another one. Connor bernard but on a whole other level. Um, I guess, Randon, I don't know what, maybe what you guys think of, uh, you talked about Connors there, uh, Russ. What about uh, the other one in this game, Brent Clark, who also picked up a goal. Um, thoughts, on, uh, thoughts on him uh, in this tournament?
1: You want to, you want to go with me I'll go I'll go first. It's just so for me, watching this tournament, I'm gonna to be really frustrated watching Brand Clark develop for the first few seasons. He's so talented offensively. He's an offensively gifted player. there's no denying that. I thought in this tournament at times he was a little too aggressive for my liking. and I, th- I think it kind of hurt his team at times. And his defensive decisions in the defensive zone—you saw a lot of Sean Derzy at that at, at some points. It, it's just kind of like uh you you wanted to see a little bit more, but he got the goal today. He was really involved offensively, which is what you want to see from Clark because that defensive game will come. So I, I don't think that i I don't think that Clark's not going to be an incredible top four defensive player, even a top pair of defensive player in the NHL, which I still think he can be. But I saw a lot of, I guess parts of his game where I can see the development still needs to be there a little bit. And, and another, another thing too is the stick tapping, the stick tapping for the passes. Like, can, can we stop that? Like does, he's, he does it way too much. I think Justin Williams tweeted about it even. I don't know if he was specifically calling out Clark, but he, he even called it beaver tailing, which I've never heard that term. But now I'm going to yeah use it all the yeah. time. So he's like, can we stop the beaver tailing, which is, I love that. So it's just, like, I, I love his his want for the puck and, and to be involved in the play. But, like if, like, if I'm on the ice and I'm one of his teammates and I constantly hear a player, a line linemate, tapping his stick for the puck, my, my first thought is, like, okay, I'm not going to give you the puck if you keep, keep doing that. But, I, so, I, I don't know. There's just... I, I love his aggressiveness at times, but he just needs to do it in the right spots. And he's still a young player, and he'll learn how to do that. But it's just been... a Kind of an up and down tournament for him so far. But the goal, the goal, I guess, was good to see if you're a Canada fan and Kings fan. But back in my mind, I, I still wanted us to win. So a little bit, bittersweet, but it was still good to see Clark score there.
0: Yeah, I, I, I like. I mean, with Clark, I like the aggressiveness. I like the uh, the the cockiness. Um, you know, I didn't watch the game, so I don't know the ferocity of the stick taps or whatever. Um, I watched a little bit of the the highlights and everything like that if when I could. Uh, but, I mean, I'm not mad when Kaliev is clapping his stick on the ice and then he fires a one-timer in and scores a goal. Like, uh, I'm, I'm not too mad about it. I mean, maybe hockey players, maybe Joe can attest to something different who has played the game and, and has coached the game uh, to how that would look differently. Uh, but to me, I just think it's a guy, maybe he is pressing too much, but I think it seems a guy that wants to prove himself and that came into this tournament mm-hmm. to prove himself that he is the best defenseman. And so maybe that goes into a little bit of that which I'm fine with a kid wanting to rise to the occasion on the biggest stage that he's ever played and perform so I got this
2: sense sorry
0: So for, for to me so like that's kind of where I put it as um is it annoying is it uh, is it something that is maybe too much for people who have played the game you know you guys can go in the chat if you guys have played hockey and and see if you have a problem with it but uh, I would I'd be interested to see what Joe says on is that like a big thing in hockey like beaver telling to where It's annoying. Is it a beer league thing? Is it just kind of,
2: (laughs) it's can be a beer league (laughs) thing at times. I would say it's, uh, you don't see it as frequently as he does it. We'll put it, put it to you that way. Like it happens. Like guys tap their sticks Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Like that happens. But you know, usually, you know, you kind of just, you use your, you have a, like I used to, I, 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 uh, I tell my guys on my team, you know, use your words, you know, speak, you know, communicate out on the ice. Don't, don't just tap your stick. Um, so I could I could see that I would say though I agree with you, Randall. And it's a lot more of like he seemed to try to play every game and shift with like a chip on his shoulder that he was out there to prove something. And I think it comes down to what your expectations were. Like I, I, I we've talked about this. I never liked the idea of him playing in this tournament. I felt it was a he has a no win situation for him if he doesn't dominate or doesn't do everything. Like he should be, because he's a you know, a top prospect and, and has played in the NHL, then he's gonna get a little bit of criticism. And and you know, I saw a player that I exactly expected to see. He was incredibly his instincts were incredible in the offensive zone and going forward and joining the rush. He has some flaws, as we've seen and talked about, going backwards with pace coming at him at times in the defensive zone with his footwork, none of which worries me long term. I, I think he's going to be okay there, and I just love. There's no hesitation. He was when he I saw the, the, the when I saw the replay again of the uh, his goal. I was like, why is he even there? It's just, but but his instincts say, you know what? I'm going into the slot, and not a lot of defensemen have that. And I just love it. I, I think he's playing a modern day defenseman type of game. I'm going to say something that's going to get me roasted, but like I watched a lot of early career and he's still early career but like the first few years of Rasmus Dahlin were a struggle okay like mm-hmm. talk about errors like catastrophic errors giveaways on the power play leading to short-handed goals and short-handed breakaways to the point where you know Sabres fans and media were like he's got to get off the power play he's got to be you know do we send him to the AHL like now the difference between the two is Rasmus Delaney is a much smoother skater than Brent Clark, but I just see the instincts and the way he handles the puck kind of as he's skating backwards and he's able to make those passes kind of off balance. The way he jumps into the play, he is a bit of a riverboat gambler. He's going to make those, those risky mistakes, but I, I just see some similarities there, but I absolutely love it. Um, I, I, Again, I'm not going overboard. You know, there's flaws in his game that we knew, but we knew those going in. So, like, nothing in this tournament surprised me. So, I I think he had a fine tournament. I thought he was good. Uh, I still think he should be – I think he's an NHL-caliber defenseman. Um, You know, we've berated that point, I think. We understand that until something changes, he's he's probably not going to be an NHL defenseman this year. So, that is what it is. But he's capable. I think the Kings fans should be excited about his progression right now.
1: I thought Randon said it best where it almost looked like he was trying to prove himself every time he was out there. He was, he was trying almost too hard and I felt like he, he got himself involved in plays. Maybe he shouldn't have. I don't know. It's just, I love, I love that aggressiveness, but maybe that chip on his shoulder was evident almost every time he stepped on the ice.
2: I will say this though. So the head coach, Dennis Williams, and uh, I've, I met him briefly because one of my good friends played for him in newman college division three down in uh, pennsylvania and i haven't followed his career since i know he went to uh, alabama huntsville i think it was after and then he's bounced around a bit since um so i i I don't know that i i I guess i don't follow him after but he took that team and led them to one of the worst teams in division three to a national championship in division three i don't think he was the coach at the time but he left it and they, they ended up winning the title anyways he was a coach that at that time had no qualms about winning a 6 5 game. He loves get up and go. He loves the offense. He loves the attacking players. So I, and you watch, I don't recall the time Brant Clark, despite any mistakes he made, was ever benched. He mm-hmm. went right back out there because Dennis Williams. That's the style I imagine he wants his guys to play. And he understands what Brian Clark is. He's going to make his mistakes, but boy, is he going to be somebody that is going to be instrumental in the offensive zone. I saw one of the games where I was watching his shifts. He was out there for a solid minute at the end of the second period. Then the opponent, I can't remember which game it was now, they iced it. And so there was another minute and a half or so left. He kept Clark on the ice. He had probably a two and a half plus minute shift. And again, that's a coach just saying, go play you're an offense that we have an offensive zone face off go do it so i i think that's another kind of clue too is the the coach really didn't you didn't see many changes he was still being trotted out there uh so i i really like this game and it's it's it sucks that again he's probably going to end up in in ontario the ontario hockey league but uh, i guess we'll see how things play out here over the next couple of weeks
0: Carter comes out here and says, get out of here, Russ. No Car- Car- Clark slander will be allowed. Uh, so Russ is going to leave us for the rest of the pod. Um, Carter scores also comes in and say, hey, Clark was physical. Block shots was great. Um, we had He's playing differently than he was in the world junior than he did with the Kings, playing loose. He's been solid in the D zone. I liked him out there on one-on-ones and two-on-ones defending. Um, I, I think that he – what is that, Coach? Uh, they were who they thought they were, right? Or we, we've – you know, like – Clark that is, is green? the player, yeah. Green? Player. Yeah, yeah. Cardinals. Brent Clark is the player that we thought, right? Like he is going to be an offensive juggernaut. He's going to be an okay skater, which and a, and, a, and a moderate defender in the in the National Hockey League. And he's only going to build on his strengths and and level out his weaknesses as a player. Now, very rarely, I mean, I always had a coach say that, hey, why are you working on your weaknesses when you can you can make your strengths elite? I think his strengths are already elite. And so he does need to work on the skating and some of the defensive stuff. But like, I'm not disappointed by anything in in what he he did today. And uh, Carter said, you know, he blocked, like I said, blocked shots, was great today. You know, um, I also do agree with CJ here that Red Savage is the best name in the World Juniors uh, (laughs) by far. Now, Carter Scores comes in here as well, says, do you think the Kings should be scouting some of these uh, or should be scouting some of these World Junior goals? I think they are. I mean, I think they wouldn't be doing their due diligence if they aren't. But a little tidbit here, uh, the USA goal, even though he got roasted for six today, Trey Augustine is getting a second and third round grade for this draft. Uh, He is age 17 uh, out of Michigan. He's 6'1", 179. Um, He's rated anywhere between 30 to 54 or so in the draft. So early second round, uh, or I guess late first round, um, you know, all the way through the third. But just some of his USA stats here. Uh, in 14 starts uh, for the U18 team uh, this year, he has a 210 GAA, 930 save percentage. Uh, and in the uh, the juniors uh, for the USHL games, where, where they play other opponents in there, he started six games, 1.92 GAA and 947 save percentage. And in the five World junior games, including this one where they lost, uh, 2, 217 and a 915 save percentage. And he is slotted to go to michigan state uh next season so would be a name to look out for trey augustine um you know he's second third round grade uh the the kings could try to poke high up and say hey we're deep everywhere else in the prospect pool let's try to throw another stab at goalie so somebody definitely to watch out there for uh king's fans when the draft season comes around uh where he where we'll be picking and where he's kind of falling to uh is one name i picked out there for you carter and during draft season, we'll come up with a lot more because I know that'll be a hot topic for Kings fans, uh, goalie prospects to look at. So let's get it. Uh, let's get it moving on here. Uh, a little st- speaking of stick taps, but congratulatory stick taps for uh, for Edler, thousand games. Uh, he is the the thumbnail for tonight's episode. Uh, you know, great for him. Uh, obviously, long story career with the Canucks comes over here. Veteran leadership. Uh, what did, you were there at, at the game there, Russ? I mean, what did you think of the moment?
1: I thought it was great. I mean, the Kings do a pretty good job with, with these ceremonies. It was too bad it wasn't televised. But um, yeah, I mean, Alex Edler, this is, it's, it's good to see Edler make this milestone because he's, he's I, I thought they explained it pretty well. Also, side note, Drew Dowdy, his outfit in the video was epic. I don't know if you can find the picture, but he looked like he was ready to start on the neck straight out of Compton, too. It was hilarious. But um, yeah, Edler, this is, this milestone it kind of epitomizes what he brings to the ice. He's just always available. He's just that guy, that defenseman who's who you know what you're going to get out of him every night and he's been that way even toward the sunset of his career. I mean, he's been a really solid signing and and even thinking about this year, he's coming in at the veteran minimum and he's one of the more important pieces on the left side for the Kings right now. So, I thought I thought the Kings did a really good job and one of the one of the really cool parts about the ceremony was the painting that they gifted Edler, uh, the team did. It was in the shape of the Swedish flag, so it had, and it had vintage wooden sticks make out kind of the the cross. That's the the yellow yep. cross on the flag, and engraved on the sticks was the names of the 16 other uh, Swedish hockey Hall of Famers. So I thought that was a really cool uh, oh, nice. touch. So nice. they did a they did a really good job of it.
2: Yeah, he's that that is really cool. He's had a heck of a career. He was so good for so long in Vancouver. And, you know, as you mentioned, Russ, he even here these last couple of years in Los Angeles, he's been a pretty, you know, important and stable stabilizing piece to the uh, to the bottom pair of the back end of this uh, of the blue line. So um, at a good price too, he's come in and done a nice job for LA and a, and a hell of a career he's had. And again, he like I said, he was great watching in, in, uh, in Vancouver.
0: Yeah, just uh, I really don't have much to add to that. I mean, just he's great and we're going to need him down the down the stretch in the playoffs to to make a run. So congrats again, uh, Edler there. And, you know, congrats to people who made some good bets on DraftKings. And that's our sponsor tonight. Um, so DraftKings hockey fans light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just five dollars. Pre-game money line on any NH- NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into eat to even bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions may apply. See show notes for details.
2: One thing I'll add to the goaltending you mentioned there, Russ. Thomas Millick, the goaltender for Canada, undrafted. Yeah, he's He could, you know, maybe he gets picked this upcoming year. He's, a, he's somebody that's not, you know, wasn't picked during his draft year. So it's, um, you know, again, these things happen. Old, I got a lot of 19. messages too about goalie.
1: the Slovakia goalie uh after the Canada game. I think he had like 50 saves or so, and he's I, I can't recall the name, but he looks he looks really good, and I believe he's undrafted as well. So yeah, this is this is a tournament where these you get to hear some of these names that kind of come out of nowhere. But I mean, Joe, like we talked about it, it it's goalies, right? This <laughs> is goalies. It's a, it, yeah, it's goalies. That's all you can say. He'll I'm, win
2: a Vesna one
0: day. It's it's goalies. <laughs> it's just goalies. goalies. So uh, trade rumors, everybody's favorite segment here for the last couple of years uh, with, uh, you know, uh, our team down south. But multiple articles have been uh, written, you know, regarding top trade deadline acquisitions uh, just for the, the whole league in general. Uh, and uh, Chikorin was number two on the list, stated that the, that his asking price has not gone down. And the GM said, hey, we've looked at comparables in, re- in recent years about uh, and, and overall in the NHL on which. Uh, players and what this guy went for with you know and, and yada 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 and we're not going to back off because we know what we have yeah chikrin wants to play for a contender and so ultimately he probably will be out of here but we're not going to lower our price just because we feel like we need to trade him so seems either posturing where he uh, as a gm where he's saying hey this is what he's worth and this is what we're going to get or uh you know we'll see if he lightens on that at the deadline when it really matters but that's what he's saying right now i mean two first rounders and and maybe some uh, mall on top of that. What is, That's been the price for about a year now. S- too steep? Steep enough? I mean, he's been playing pretty good this season so far and putting to, to bed a lot of uh, maybe one-year wonder type uh, type asking.
2: Yeah, he's certainly doing his part, right, since he's returned from injury. He's played very well. Um, and I know and listen to 32 Thoughts, Elliot Friedman and, and Jeff Merrick said that the Kings are, are not only very interested, if not the favorites in this, the issue is is those two, the, the two first round pieces, I think everybody can assume that a first round pick is gonna go in this, is that, what is that first round piece? What is that that player prospect, if you will? And and one thing I've been thinking about, and I'd be curious your guys' opinion, is we we, we talk as if, you know, we, we assume, I guess you could say, as much of the word untouchable exists, that Quinton Byfield and Brant Clark are quote, unquote, untouchable. I wonder if you don't include them, do the Kings have the quality of prospect to get this deal done? Because, you know, I, I, I'd I'd have to go back, but I remember when, when I had Martin Chromiak in my summer article as the kind of main prospect who was I think Chromiak and Turcotte or something was in the deal. And that I I didn't, that didn't get received very well, but (laughs) I, I would imagine a lot of folks would sign up for that right now. Um, but like, I don't know if Arizona would again, like, the first round pick, okay, but what is the centerpiece prospect if it's not Byfield or Clark? And that's why I'm wondering, does this deal get done for Los Angeles? Because I don't know that they have that that big prospect piece. They have depth of prospect, but do they have that piece if they're not willing to include a Byfield-Clark um, in this deal?
1: For me, the, the untouchables right now are Byfield and Caliott. Didn't I say actually Clark had said.
2: assumed, yeah. You know what? I, I, I mean, I just assumed Kaliev, but I guess I should have yeah. mentioned him too. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there.
1: Clark, like, if, if you, if, if they had visited this trade maybe the year before this season or in the off season, and Clark's name was involved, I'd consider it. I mean, it all depends on Chikrin's <clears throat> term, right? Because I believe he's only got two years left, so. Yeah. Now to ask for the pieces that they're asking for, you only have a player for two years. This is like you're an extended rental at that point. Like, I'm not trading a Clark or Byfield, or I know the Athletic had an article that came out that said though we want to see Byfield traded for Velmelka and Chickrin. I'm like, okay, relax here. Like, let's let's not go overboard. But I mean, Chickrin is a great player, and he's going to require a high, a steep price. But yeah, I think like you said, Joe, if they're, the Kings aren't willing to trade Clark. Um, Byfield or Kaliev, Alex Turcotte and a first rounder probably won't get it done.
2: Does Jordan? I mean, Spence?
1: Yeah, Jordan. Maybe you add Jordan Spence to that. that. That's a little bit better. But even then, like, I don't even know if the Kings would want to do that. That's a that's that's quite a, a haul to send over just for one player. That's only signed for two more years. I
2: would say Spence instead of Turcotte, that oh, is. instead of
1: Turcotte. Oh, instead of Turcotte. But even yeah, and, and that Spence would,
2: is the centerpiece know. of the of the prospect, if you will.
1: I, th- I mean, personally, I think that's a great trade. Like, if I'm Arizona and I get, like, Spence, a first-round pick, and maybe, like, a, another middle prospect like the Kings mm-hmm. have, like a, I don't know, like just Panelli Madden, I don't know, just another middling prospect that they can get. I, I think that's a pretty good trade for Arizona to get. And, and I, I listened to that 32 Thoughts podcast, their last one that came out, they, they talked about like how first-round picks are going to be a huge commodity come trade deadline. And they even talked about Joel Edmondson possibly getting a first-round pick. So I'm like, man, if a player like that is going to be required, to, or if you're going to have to give over a first-round pick for a player like that, man, it's going to be a wild trade deadline, or this chicken trade is going to be pretty interesting to watch see what happens from other teams.
0: I think first-round picks will be higher value than they were last year because this draft is supposed to be – uh, mm-hmm. Our friend of the pod, Scott Wheeler, came out with an article that this might be the biggest draft since 2005 and where he yeah. has, he has, you know, essentially based on the last five years, he has top 10 grades on about 20 guys, right? So or on 20, 25 guys. So, and that the top three to four players would be, you could argue be number one in any of the drafts in the last three seasons. So, um, you know, I think it's something along the lines where maybe that first round pick Especially if it's going to be in the 20s for the Kings, it's going to be easier to release because then you're not getting maybe an elite guy that you would be getting or a high value guy like 15 or, or 14, you know, like where the Kings right now. I mean, if we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago when the sky was falling, maybe it's like, hey, we don't hold. Well, let's hold on to that pick because we might be 14, 15. We might be have a chance of the lottery. We might be getting a really top guy here. Well, now if we're hey first or second seed in the Pacific, we're probably going to be more 20 to 25. Coyote, the Coyotes have one first round pick and they have one second round pick. They have three, four thirds. So, I mean, you're looking at does does like a, a first or does Turcotte and a second work out? Or is it first and then Spence and then maybe, you know, another like a middle, you know, middle round prospect that we've drafted in years past get it done because the first round picks going to hold so much more weight because then they coyotes get another stab to, because then maybe they can move their early second and our first to move back up into the top 15 and get another one of those elite guys. So it gives them more movement uh, being a first round pick. And, and so, you know, I am always a fan of consistently replenishing with the first round picks. Um You know, you are, you have Nav coming here with Derzy and Kupari, but does that really move the needle enough? Um, you are getting two NHL guys that are still young as well as a first, and maybe that helps move along the, the uh, rebuild for, for Arizona. It'll be interesting to see how much they back off. And I think the reason for this is not only trade rumors for the athletic uh, coming out of Chikrin as the number two guy, but the other thing where you said Vemelka and uh, and Chikorin for Byfield and, and, and Pieces. And you automatically and Cal Peterson and then some salary retained. And obviously there's lots of people in kingdom that want Vamelka real bad. Like, and I get it having a great season doing all this kind of stuff like that. We've talked about what the strategy will be in the off season for the Kings. And I think that trade right now helps the team. I will give that trade that it helps the team this year. More than it would any other year, because Byfield is still not blossomed into anything yet. Uh, Chickrin is an established lefty, and Vamelka is better than any goalie we have, and it would make our run this year a, a lot more, uh, you know, favorable to go farther in, in the tournament. And if Vamelka plays and the continued plays how he is, and Chikrin is that guy, do, do we have a team to make a run and with some puck luck potentially play for a cup? You could probably say yes or no on that one. I I guess those are the only two options, to be honest. But I mean I think you could say yeah, you could sway me either way, right? Like you could say, hey, like, hey, Fiala's a point per game player, yada yada, yada, and present your case. But down the line, I think the where you say no to the trade and you take the gamble on maybe signing a UFA and that Copley can be the guy for you a little bit this year. Is do you do I think the Kings are ready for a cup? Not really. If they get Chikrin and Vemelka, are they? It's probably a lot more. If they just get Chikrin with Copley, where do they stand? Like, I think there's a lot of like moving parts there. But where it doesn't do it for me is Father Time is generally undefeated, and Kobitar eventually is going to drop off, and Jano is not a number one C by traditional standards of offensive output. Where your player that is going to go in said spot you drafted to be there is Byfield, and if you trade him away, where does that heir apparent come from? Is it free agency in 2024 by Austin Matthews? Do they say, who cares? Let's try to win this year. We'll figure it out in the future. Byfield, Thank you for these two great players. I don't really know where they go with that. And that's a lot of back and forth. And I don't necessarily say anybody is untouchable. Maybe for a certain player there are. But, I mean, you know, if certain players like Austin Matthews were to become available because Toronto doesn't think they can win, which is not the case because they're in it. But said player or what if Edmonton isn't going to make the playoffs? Do they do they, you know, dangle dry sidle and blow it up or, you know, put name player here, but I don't think anybody's untouchable, so to speak. And, you know, it just on the right package. Would you do buy field for Vamelka and Chikrin straight up? Like, I,
2: I, uh, like, I I, wouldn't. I wouldn't. Um, I, I get it, but I wouldn't. And here's the thing, too. The one thing that I've been thinking about is the Kings, even with that trade, I don't think are, are cup contenders, and they're certainly not right now but are we have to consider them Western conference contenders? Do we not? I don't know. I mean, maybe them Mm -hmm. like they, the Western conference is not good guys. Like nobody is, is jumping ahead of the pack. Dallas is not as good. I don't think is where their start has been. Colorado's banged up. And of course, if, if, and when they get healthy, they're going to be really dangerous. Vegas, as long as they're healthy is dangerous. I think Russ knows I'm still a big believer in Calgary. They're starting to turn things around, but there's still like none of these teams are like running away with anything or, or as good as any teams in the Eastern conference. When you look at what's going on over there. So you perhaps the Kings make an argument. So you know what? We, we could try to take advantage of a, maybe a little underwhelming Western conference and look at the way the Kings have started. I mean, the, the ups and downs of this Todd McClellan was fired two weeks ago and the Kings are second <laughs> place in the West. So like, I, 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 maybe that's how they look at this too is that you know what hey let's see we can take a shot and once you get there you never know i suppose but um i'd say no to that trade i'd still try to 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 do this deal a chicken deal a just chicken deal with with you know pick prospects uh not named by field and clark or you know kelly i guess i don't really consider a prospect anymore but for sake of discussion, and you know, again, remember the cap still matters, and there's going to have to be some sort of of money probably going the other way. I don't know. I, I know as you get closer to the deadline, though, some things open up. So, so I'm not sure exactly how that'll work. But um, it's a weak Western Conference right now. Like it's it's a vulnerable Western Conference. How's that that the Kings mm-hmm. are are right there? I will say though, it's a little weird because their possession numbers are fine. They're not great, but they're definitely above average to good. They are the only team in the playoffs right now with a negative goal differential, which generally speaking, that does not bode well for a team. When you have a negative goal differential, you're not generally going to make the playoffs. But the possession metrics are not bad, and they're actually now getting saves. Like some, So much of that came from at the start of the season when they couldn't keep the puck out of their net. Well, now they're getting some saves, so they do think it is trending in the right direction, um, but you still hope that, that that's not something that – you know that that obviously can't continue if they if they have a,
1: a vengeance of making the playoffs.
0: I'm not. I'm just, trading. I think this is yeah. a good point. Sorry, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I'm just gonna say I'm not, I'm not trading Byfield or Clark or Calleja for Chikrin right now. If if you can make that Chikrin trade with, without giving up any of those pieces, then do it. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, do it. Because, like Joe said, like you guys, I mean, the Kings. Could be a cup contender, and maybe <laughs> are a cup contender. That's that's what's so weird is, like, you you said it best. The Western Conference is not great. If Colorado eventually gets healthy, they should be the cream of the crop. Like, obviously, they have the players for it. They'll be there. Vegas, they're an injury away, too. Like, I mean, they're, they're – and the Kings have shown the capability to play up with them. They just beat – the Kings just beat Dallas. Right behind them is the Winnipeg Jets. The, I mean, the, and the Jets don't really scream, like, championship team so if you can get through the, i mean we've seen the kings do this before right in 2012 where they just kind of make a run and win a stanley cup and if they can make that run through the western conference i mean not a lot of those teams scare you who knows what happens in the stanley cup final but that's always obviously still a ways away does chikrin put you over the hump I, I think they probably can so if you can make that deal without giving up those pieces for chikrin this team could be a Stanley Cup contender and, and should be among those teams, like we talked about, like a, a Golden Knights or a Colorado Avalanche in the Western Conference.
0: Higini comes in here and says, you know, he's very high on guys like LaFerriere. You still got your second round pick last year in Hughes. Simon Tyval, who's had some very good world junior appearances and, and is a good, has increased his stock from a third round pick that he was. Chromiak, I still think, has some shine on. Pennelli is on pace for 50 goals. There's plenty of prospects out there to where if you did a first and maybe Spence and, and one of those other prospects, you know, you still have a a, a good chance of getting uh, a trickering down the line and trickering I don't think is going to be a rental, you know, he is 24 years old, uh, you know, and I think it's going to be along the same lines. Rob Blake seems to do his due diligence to where he asked Fiala if he was going to sign here long-term and how, and kind of are able to talk to the agents about, like, what is his view on L.A.? Like, would he sign here long-term? Does he like where the organization is going? You know, you know, what kind of money do you think he's going to be wanting? Uh, all this kind of stuff like that, to where Rob Blake is going to not make a move like that based on what he says, unless he goes New Year's resolution, Rob Blake, according to is and, and just super aggressive gunslinger, um, like Russell wants him to be. But I think if the if the Kings are first or second in the Pacific at the trade deadline and the team is humming, you have to be a little aggressive. And if that means giving up, not necessarily a byfield or whatever, I think I'm on, I'm in agreement with you guys there, but if they have to agree, give up an extra prospect or two that are second to fourth round picks to sweeten the pot. Like, I mean, we're having prospects that we haven't even named in like six, you know, six months of podcasts that are still third or fourth round picks that have been playing well. Right. So I mean, there's plenty of guys out there that you could throw in and add and, and do those kind of things, um, you know, or second round picks like Akil Thomas. I mean, one of Joe's favorite guys, but multiple injuries. Does Arizona see enough shine in him even with the injuries to, for it to move the needle? There's lots of different options there. And I think that if they are in that room, I mean, I like Chikrin more than anybody else just because of the age and the salary. Um, you know, I think it's not only a win now move, but it's a win for the future move. And he fits right in with that young core of guys uh, that could be the next, you know, the next group that goes through. So, yeah, I'd like them to see, be a little bit aggressive, uh, just not that aggressive where we're trading Byfield, field, uh, you know, the heir apparent because of, of reasons I said earlier. So uh, let's get into uh, let's get into the Kings as far as in, in general, uh, you know, the Dallas game uh, this, this past week uh, kind of go over some. We watched the game live. So all of you that sh- showed up to that. Uh, you know, we Kings beat Colorado five four. Uh, they ended up losing on Saturday on New Year's Eve four to two. They probably went out and party that night because they came back right and fresh uh, to beat uh, Dallas three to two on the third, uh, starting off the new year right. What did you guys see out of these three games? I know we watched the Colorado game live, so maybe we'll see uh, more along the lines of, of Dallas. Uh, but what did you guys see from the Kings there?
1: Well, the Philly game. As much as I hate to say it, I'm just going to throw that one away. It, it, it sucks because it's such a frustrating game because it's a, it's a team that obviously they probably should have be. But, I mean, if, if we had done this pod probably right after that, I'd probably be a little bit more, I guess, angry. But the fact that they were able to bounce back and beat a team like Dallas and play really well against Dallas too. like It wasn't a fluke. this was actually a really good hockey game from yeah. both sides. And to to keep up with Dallas, a team that's that's on top of the Western Conference, and to beat them three to two in a really solid hockey game, well played hockey game, you had Byfield playing well. You, you had there's a lot of lots to like um, from from a King's point of view. That that's really good to see, and and it and, it, and it gives you high hopes for the team uh, going forward in the future.
2: Yeah, I thought the 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 Philly game. Uh, it, they controlled the game. That's one of those ones where, like, remember that I was so angry about the the Arizona game and I was angry about the Columbus game because, like, they didn't play well. And, I, and I'm and yeah. i like, that's frustrating to me when they play well against – they don't play well against bad teams. And they played well against Philly. They, they dominated the game across the board. And they just – you know, they gave up at least one power play goal and maybe a shorty actually too. That one yep. – so <laughs> – Jonathan Quick wasn't very good, guys.
1: (laughs) No, he wasn't. So I guess that's the elephant in the room, right?
2: Elephant, yeah. Yeah, it is the elephant in the room. Uh, He he wasn't very good. Let's just call a spade a spade.
0: Yeah, Um, you're right. Power play uh, in the first from Scott uh, Lawton and Noah Noah Cates with a shorthanded.
2: Yeah, Um, and a lot of off-angle goals, goals where he was caught down, just tough one. Um, But as Russ said, they bounced back nicely against Dallas. And what you said was just a good hockey game, which against with two teams that happen to be two of the top teams in the Western Conference uh, at the moment. So um, I thought it was a good game. And it's a big win for for LA to, you know, they're beating some good teams. They're losing to the bad teams, but beating good teams, which is a little bizarre. Um, And they're going to get another you know, tough test tomorrow uh, against uh, again or tonight when you listen to this or for on on podcast, but uh, against the Boston Bruins. So we'll see. That's another big one, and and it's a different one because this is an Eastern Conference team, so it's like a legit good team, not like one of these Western Conference ones where this is a year where it's down. So it's it's not quite the same, but it's it's going to be another good test for them.
0: Yeah, I think that you're looking at the games here, and and it's kind of interesting when teams do this, and it's it's like where they're playing down to their opponent. Uh, and then, you know they're rising up for big games where, where they're able to score there. And I just think it's, it's interesting, and obviously the Kings are going to be playing better opponents in the playoffs and so maybe they'll rise up for all the games. But you want to see if they're going to start putting some distance in between them to really make us believe at the trade deadline that it's time to kind of push in some chips. They're going to have to beat these weak teams. They're going to have to show that they can dominate against the Phillies and the Arizona and et cetera, et cetera, uh, to make me feel better about an all-in move. Uh, or maybe that's the reason why you make an all-in move. I don't know, but um, I, I think you're looking at something along the lines of, of a team that is really, maybe in the last month, starting to find a little bit more of a defensive identity, you know, and, and and starting to move forward here. And so maybe that will start to level itself out to where they'll play better against these teams, even though I said the Philly and Arizona and and Blue Jacket game were recent. Uh, But, you know, I think it's kind of been a prevalent all year that they've been playing down to opponents. Uh, But, you know, then they took care of the Anaheim Ducks. So I don't don't know. I mean, you really can't have it down the stretch. Like those are two points that you you slot in when you're thinking about playoff time and you're like, okay, well, we need this many points. You're almost guaranteed, you know, on points (laughs) watch last season, I was like, okay, we're playing Seattle. That's two points. And then when we didn't get those two points, I'm like, okay, well, now we need this, you know, and those in, all end up mattering when it comes to seeding down the stretch and, you know, those weak teams you should be able to put away. I mean, it's not like Arizona's never going to win games. Right? It's going right. to happen, but you got to put away those teams more often than not.
2: And God, I hate to pile on here, and I know it's not all his fault, but those three games, Columbus, Philly, and Arizona all had the <laughs> same net mind.
1: <laughs> if, if we can lose, actually, you know, what's funny is I actually wouldn't be upset if we just lost the rest of the games to the Ducks because I don't want them yes, to have serious. the higher lottery seats. <laughs> just give them points. They could use it. They're beating Dallas right now two nothing. The first, first
0: intermission. Yeah, don't so, remind me, Russ.
1: Go, 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 go Anaheim. We're all Ducks fans right now. That's right. I want to see yeah. them creep up into the standings. a little bit. I mean,
0: any, any player they're either going to get what? Leo Carlson, Fantilli. Um, so, I mean, I think it's something along those lines uh, of, you know, really pushing forward and seeing what those teams are going. And Boston will be a, Boston will definitely be a good test. So um, we had a, a late question. I know we just ended the trade rumors, but uh, does the, any trade revolving Chikorin or said defenseman affect the goalie situation? Or do you think because the cap situation we're bringing in a player that you're really just going to have to write Copley because of his salary?
2: Does it affect the goalie situation in terms of personnel? Like Copley, okay. I would say no, it doesn't, unless you're actually acquiring a goalie, which I don't think the Kings will do. I mean, what does it do to the goaltending like from a defensive zone standpoint? Like Chickren's a big boy. He's long, he's got a reach, and I think people mistake him for being this solely like offensive defenseman who can't play D. That's not entirely true. He's pretty good in his defensive zone and he brings a little bit of snarl. So I guess to that end, like it could make your goaltending and defensive zone a little bit better. But yeah, from a personnel standpoint, I don't think it affects the the goaltending much.
1: Haven't haven't we gone through this already? Remember when the Kings traded Peter Budai for Ben Bishop? <laughs> like let's just ride the hot hand. Just you have you're getting some decent goaltending with Copley. Play him, maybe Quick. Yeah, play him. Play him every game. Play him every game. That's not a back-to-back yep. play him. And maybe Quick figures it out, like he did last year. He just Quick wasn't that great at the beginning of the year and that part mm-hmm. of the year until so he just figured it out toward the end of the year and he was vintage Jonathan Quick toward the playoffs. So
0: we'll get ever get to a bad. point. We'll ever get to a point if say hypothetical Cal Peterson plays lights out in Aren'tera and he deems worthy of a call up. Does Jonathan Quick ever get sent down the season? No. No matter how no, bad he plays?
1: No. That's, that's the weird part. It's, it's, it's going to be either Copley or Peterson. But, yeah, that's that's, that's going to be an interesting storyline to watch if Copley does eventually fall off, which we're all hoping it doesn't happen. We just ride this wave all the way to June into the parade. But, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be either Copley or Peterson because Quick's not going anywhere.
0: So let's get into uh, a little fun stuff. Forty-one games in, right? Um, mid-season awards here. Let me—I got some. of This uh, I'm gonna shout them out here. Uh, Queen, uh, King's News IG put together this graphic uh, for me on Instagram. I thought it was kind of interesting. So let me kind of go over some things here. Uh, leader in save percentage this year, obviously Copley. Last year was quick. Leader in goals, Velarde. Last year it was Kempe at this time. Eighteen goals, uh, Velarde with sixteen. Fiala with points at 39. Last year was Kopitar at 36. Uh, We have 30 more penalty minutes this season. A little bit worse on the face-off dot. Uh, Both seasons have given up six short-handed goals, but we've only scored one where last year we already had five. Uh, We've given up more goals against by almost 26, but we've also scored uh, about 25 or 15 more goals for 131-4. The penalty kill is worse this year than it was last year by a full percentage. But power play is up 7%. So the tale of two tapes there, uh, any any of those numbers jump out to you guys before we give any any individual awards or kind of how the team compares halfway through the season versus last year?
2: Yeah, Copley leading the team in save percentage jumps out to me.
1: (laughs) Exactly, yeah. They're getting good goaltending, and hopefully the goals against will start to creep down a little bit.
0: Yeah, so I I think – I think the negative school differential is the biggest thing. Uh, the power play, if the, pen, if the penalty kill is roughly the same and it's roughly garbage both both seasons, um, mm. and the power play continues to progress, and you're yep. going to get guys like Kaliev and they're going to be more, uh, you know, more creative. I really like the fact um, when Kaliev was on that hot streak. Um, you know, they had two power play units that had two different identities, but were both equally effective. Right, so. I think if they can get keep that going and then, like we said, we get more saves, the tail of the tape is going to be different by the end of the season. I think the team can only go up from here. So I think it's very interesting to kind of see there, and uh, I would have never predicted Copley. I didn't even want them to sign Copley. So I'm glad to be wrong on that aspect, the way Mm -hmm. the season's turned out. Uh, But uh, let's get over to the the season awards here. And we're going based off of not the NHL but just the Kings season awards. So we got MVP, best newcomer, best defenseman, best defensive player – Uh, And then we're going to go unsung hero uh, as well. So let's start it off with the unsung hero here. Let's work our way backwards. Uh, Joe, who's your unsung hero for the Kings this season?
2: This couldn't be easier for me. It's Blake Lazat. I mean, he is. He's among the top. uh, He's one of the top uh, primary point getters on the team. He is among the top uh, producers in terms of shot assists on the team per sixty. He's been really, really good this year. He's elevated his game when he's need to. He is, uh, he's is he got the third highest primary, or excuse me, third highest goals at five on five this year. That was Blake Lazat on the team. Like He's been really good defensively. He's been really good in the offensive zone. He's playing a fourth line role uh, excellently. And um, even at times up in the third line, it, this is an easy answer for me.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on this one. I think it's an easy answer for me as well. Blake Lazat. I mean, he, each night, it just seems like he's getting better and better. And, and it's it's crazy because you didn't really expect Blake Lazad to be a player that's going to be getting 15 goals in the year, and that's what he's on pace for. So, I mean, he's centering a line with Gabe Velarde and, and Kevin Fiala, and they're looking really good. And and it just seems like he's making he's starting to make his line mates better too. So it's we used to talk about Lazad as being just like this, Interchangeable fourth line center just waiting for prospects to come up. But now I'm talking about maybe keeping Lazat long term because he's he's such a good player, and it's 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 so it's so good to, to see the progression of from where he started to what he's become now, and hopefully the kings can keep him around and he doesn't go anywhere else. But yeah, he's definitely my unsung hero so far.
0: Yeah, I'm I think I'm gonna go with an uh, honorable mention there for Alex Iafalo. and I think the reason being is good you job. look at Alex Iafalo – um, you know, has 14 points in 18 games, almost a point per game player this season, uh, was out for a long stretch. You saw how the defense kind of fell off a little bit without him there, um, to where we know what he's not. He's not a first line winger, goal scorer type player, but the Kings seem to have two Swiss army knives that have a, that have a little bit of variance to them and Trevor Moore and, and I follow and I follow has been, you know, been moved around up and down the lineup. Uh, And I really think he's an unsung hero because he was in every single trade discussion in the offseason about the player to be moved for cap, uh, whether it be him or Walker. But he was in a lot of them because how are they going to make it work with Fiala and Kempe to get said player here or said person here? Uh, Well, I mean, I follow we can trade him. He's expendable. Uh, He's shown that he's been a a player that has kind of flown under the radar about how much the team needs him and appreciates him in the middle six. Uh, And so I'm going to go I follow with uh, with mine. I like it.
1: I like the pick. Yeah, I like it.
0: Let's move it up here to best defensive. Uh, let's do best defenseman. So best defenseman. Uh, whether you want to go offensive, defensive, and and why? Uh, we'll flip it to to Russ on the first one.
1: Best defenseman. I'm going to go with Drew Dowdy. and uh, might be. I don't know. I, I, it just seems like every night he's he's the guy who's going to be leading the team in ice time. He's not scoring a lot this year, but he. he He's still helping out. Still quarterback quarterbacking the first power play. Um, he's the anchor on defense. He's, he's if this if this team didn't have Dowdy like they did last year, it'd be tough. I, I, I don't know. It's, it's it's you almost look back at last year and you're like, wow, how did they overcome um, not having Dowdy for the whole entire year? But now that we're seeing him be healthy, I think he's still uh, the main reason why we're seeing a player like Mikey Anderson start to develop into the player that he is. So. He's helping not only his game come along and be resurgent uh, a little bit, but he's also helping Mikey um, develop into a really good uh, uh, top pair defenseman himself. So, I think I think it's uh, Drew Doughty for me.
0: We got Doughty with we got one vote for Doughty there. We got a, we got a lot of Mikeys in the chat. Where are you going, Joe?
2: My, I'm gonna I am gonna go with Mikey Anderson, um, and just because of his defensive. Um, his defensive metrics, like he's a—he's just a really solid defenseman. He's really good for the neutral zone. He's really good at at, at uh, controlling the zone entries against um, and defensive zone entries, I should say. And 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 you've heard me talk about how I, I do question where is he an LD one on a on a you know cup winning team like a Jacob Chickren would be. Like I, I still question that because there's just not much there in terms of offensive contribution. But overall, from a defensive standpoint, and really none of the other Kings defensemen. I would say, you know, I I agree with Russ that Dowdy's had a had a fine season. It's just been down for him offensively, which which, which is so much of what he brings to to the game and to the Kings. So that's been you know tough to see. That I think Mikey's probably been kind of quietly the best defenseman. I think you could probably say the only defenseman that we haven't really heard much about is Mike Anderson or maybe Matt Roy, like everybody else has has had their moments where people's kind of been on him for various reasons, uh, right or wrong. but um, i'm I'm gonna go Mikey Anderson on this one.
0: I'm going for his for his nine game sit. I'm going Brant Clark for best defenseman of, uh, <laughs> uh, or, you would. or what or whatever defenseman it gets moved out of the way for Brandt Clark uh, can have best <laughs> defenseman of the year. No, I'm uh, just kidding there. I think. Dowdy's an interesting one there because I look at his stats and 2.7% shot percentage, right? So he's chucking up a lot of shots, not seeing him go in, not getting the puck luck, which, you know, traditionally from a defensive standpoint, when you're shooting from the point a lot, you need some of that luck. You need some puck to go off a stick here, a body here, uh, you know, squeak through a pad and he's not really getting it. So we'll see if that kind of ends up, you know, moving on. I know I want to give honorable mention to the only other defenseman that is really there. And he's picked up a lot of slack on the power play too. And the reason the power play numbers are, are probably where they're at is Dursey. I know he gets a lot of crap for his defensive play, but I mean he's right there with offensive stats with um, with Drew Doughty. He's one of the main reasons why the power play uh, unit uh, for the second unit is effective as it is, and he's able to find and utilize his angles on the point uh, all the way from you know side to side, and able to find Kaliev a lot of the times there, or set somebody up to find Kaliev. Uh, so I kind of want to give him a little bit of, uh, you know, stick taps there, um, you know, with Sean Dersey, But I think the the Kings are not the Kings without Drew Dowdy still uh, in, in his, this late in his career. And he, I think he's the best defenseman right there.
2: Can I just do one quick offensive defenseman? This player leads Kings defenseman in five on five primary assists. He leads Kings defenseman tied for the lead with Kings defenseman in primary points. And he leads Kings defenseman in shot contributions per sixty. Who am I talking about?
1: Is it Edler?
0: It is not Alex Edler. If you say <laughs> Sean Walker, this podcast ends. It is Sean Walker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just the number, the news I off know. the
2: board. The news <laughs> off the board. Five primary points, three primary assists. That's that leads the Kings among defensemen at five on five, and he's he's contributing. Uh, the most uh, shot contributions for those that have played at least nine games because the three the three that have played the fewest games are, are ahead of in him the, in the per 60. So he's – he's and, Russ, you said it, what, last pod or the live show? Like he's not played that bad? No. Nope. You know? Been like, good.
1: Been good. I like, deserves like, the praise.
0: I like I – like, you know, he's just a patsy. And it's like hearing that stat is like drinking a uh, day-old beer. Like you just <laughs> opened it, you left it out on the counter, it's all stale. Like, I guess it's still beer at that point, but it's not like it's not what you intend it to be, and uh, I don't know, I don't like that. For the record,
2: good. I agree with the Dursey because of his power play contributions that mm-hmm. that he is, uh, you know, he, he's been I mean, a big. We off. haven't heard
1: like we haven't really heard that oh Dursey has done another thing lately. We have so he's been yep. pretty good on the left side as of late. So maybe he's yep. starting to figure it out there too.
0: Uh, uh, hashtag not my walker. <laughs> uh you guys cracked me up in the chat you guys cracked me up all right so best defensive player uh moving on here i'll start with this one uh maybe and i think i mean it's it's the gimme right here and you guys go into the deep stats but i think i'm going to take the gimme on this one you know the little short putt and it's the no i mean he's the best defensive player he's the one that's asked to do the most defensively uh in in the greatest position at center he's often asked to take faceoffs against the number one guys he's often asked to, to lock down their best player uh, and so maybe the metrics aren't there but sometimes the metrics don't need to be there when you're asked to do something uh at a higher level on a consistent basis uh and uh, and that's kind of why i'm picking to know there
1: i'm gonna go i don't know if this is maybe bending the rules a little bit but i'm gonna go phoenix copley as my best defensive player because
0: he plays defense right now he,
1: he is their defense pretty much i mean <laughs> He's the reason that the defense is playing better, and he's the reason the goaltending has been what it was lately as of late. So, I mean, the turnaround has been pretty much because of him. So he could be the MVP uh, by the time the season's over, even though he's only played 10 games. But, yeah, it's been the, the turnaround's all started with Copley and then, and he's the, the main reason for this uh, little stretch we're on right now.
2: Uh, I think this player gets a little – I don't want to say he gets overlooked for his defensive contributions because it's not as if he's a big offensive contributor, but he's such a really good, well-rounded player. I'm actually going to go with Phil Deneau's linemate, Trevor Moore. I think he's been really good in all three zones this year. He just got in the extension. Um, I think he's just been – I'm a big fan of his. We talked about how his shot contributions are really good and how he wouldn't be surprised to see him pop off and maybe one of these years crack 60 points if if all things go well with him. Um but I, I, I'm going to go Trevor Moore. I think he's kind of an underrated defensive, uh, defensive player.
1: Nice. Yeah, I don't know if you remember, but he actually won defensive player last year.
2: I did not remember that actually. Yeah. I, I did. No, surprising.
1: Know to, it was surprising to me because I didn't think he was the best defensive player. But yeah.
2: Okay, uh, I honestly did I not remember it. that. All
0: right, last one would be the MVP of the team. Um, you know, you can go points. You can go what they've met most of the team. However, you want to take this uh, and spin it, uh, Joe. Where, where are you gonna take the MVP for the Kings? It's
2: tough to ignore recency bias and not pick Phoenix Copley because of how well he's <laughs> been. No, I, I'm gonna go, it, for me, it's Kevin Fiala. I just think he has injected something that this team has lacked for a long time. He is hes electric, he leaves the team in points, he leaves the team, uh, you know, I could go through the, the primary points, the five on five, the shot contributions. He's just tops across the board. He's been an impact player. He's played up and down the lineup. Todd McClellan has used him, you know, on the first line, obviously, with Kopitar. He's used him on the third line to kind of jumpstart that line, and it's worked. Um, I, I just think he's so, so good um, that I'm going to go with with Kevin Fiala.
1: So for me, it's, it's a toss-up because kind of with uh, Carter's scores here in the chat, I, I really want to say Victor Arvidsson because I, I, I really think that yeah, when when Victor Arvidsson is going, it seems like the Kings are winning a lot of games, but it, Victor Arvidsson wouldn't be Victor Arvidsson if it wasn't for Phil Deneau. And it just seems like any player that you place alongside to play with Deneau, they're going to have incredible games. <clears throat> and he just elevates his line mates each night. doesn't matter who's there. And yeah, he like, like you mentioned, and he's one of the better defensive players on the team, but he's still contributing a little bit offensively. So Man, I just love uh, everything about Phil. I think it's one of the best value contracts in the NHL. So I'm going to go with Phil Deneau here.
0: I like it. I like it. And uh, I mean, I guess, you know, maybe we, maybe we should consult Carter Scores here because I'm, I'm choosing <laughs> Victor Arvidsson. And I think I like you just it. look at it. Um, I mean, my, my original was Fiala, but I figured somebody would have taken it. So I'm going to go Arvidsson. And the reason being is I think that he's quietly third on the team. I mean, not so quietly, but he's, th- he's third on the team. Uh, in points, um, you know, he probably would be second if he played the other four games, uh, and it was evenly matched with everybody there. Uh, you know, he comes in and 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 plays with tenacity. I think he's one of the only players, and some of the games where we get very upset about the way that like the heads hang low and all that kind of stuff, like that. He seems to bring it every single game with 100% of his energy, no matter which line he's playing on in what situation. And I think he really like brings up, and I think. MVP most valuable player sometimes is, is based for me when I think about it, like who would my valuable player be is based off of expectation. And with bringing in Fiala and bringing in all these other guys, Victor Robertson kind of got like a little, you know, thrown under the rug a little bit with his injury and, and all that kind of stuff like that. And I, I just think really him coming back from an injury, really missing some time midseason for uh for his daughter there and not missing a beat when he came back. I think that he's, one of the players who drives the offense every single night. And the offense hasn't been humming this well uh, ever since I've been watching the Kings play hockey, I don't think. So uh, I, I think Victor Arvidsson is is definitely one of the MVPs of this team, for sure. Absolutely. I don't think there's really any reason to go into player of the week. Does anybody want to shout out honorable mention for player of the week? Because we kind of just talked about every player on the team during the awards at, at some stint. Uh, any, any shout outs there?
1: I need to shout out Sean Walker for his player of the week. Hey,
0: there we go. He,
1: We've all of us here, and and maybe Kings fans all across the the world have been so critical of Sean Walker. And he's always a name that gets brought up whenever we talk about Grant Clark or Jordan Spence. But if we're going to be so critical about him when he's playing bad or when we think he shouldn't be in the lineup, we have to give him his praise when he's playing well. And lately he's been playing well. So he deserves all the praise that he hasn't been giving. given. So I think Kings fans are starting to take notice of what they're seeing with Sean Walker, and he's he's been a big piece. I mean, that Edler-Walker pair is one of the better pairs for the Kings right now if you look at some of the advanced metrics. So as much as maybe we, we want to see Brent Clark or Jordan Spence, some of these other players in the lineup, I think Sean Walker's starting to get a little bit more comfortable. And maybe that this first part of the season, coming back from that long uh, injury absence, maybe – he, he needed these games to get used to and up to speed, so uh, I, I think he um, should should get consideration for the player of the week uh, this week. Carter scores comes in.
0: Walker has been good this week. Arizona is going to love him. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's I think it's good. I mean, you got to you got to call you got a call spade a spade, and when he's playing bad, he's playing bad. When he's playing good, he's playing good. I think uh, you know it doesn't sit well on my, on my you know on my tongue a little bit, but hey. Heck of a snipe! That Walker goal was nasty. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you got to give him props. Um, I, There was a question here before we get going that I really want to see. Think, who do you think it's recognition for the All Star game? Sometimes when a team has a lot of players that are really close, they just give it to the captain. And you know, Kopitar. Uh, do you think Fiala gets it in his first year as a, as a king? Hundred percent. I'm yes. Yeah. 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 I don't
2: think
1: so. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm glad we brought up the All-Star game because they actually, Emily Kaplan, I think, came out with a, a report today that's saying that the All-Star votes are going to be through Twitter this year. Oh so I, b- I believe if you just do hashtag NHL All-Star, any name that you tag to that hashtag is going to get a vote. I, I don't know if they're going to filter this out to get, get rid of any John Scotts or anything like of that nature, but might be we time that's to start. a good idea. Yeah, it might N- be time to NFL's start doing it. Start, might be time to start the Blake Dot to the All Star game. Training. That's what I'm talking that's what I'm about. That's,
2: that's all that's
1: I'm, what saying. I'm talking about. It, they did it for the
0: NFL this year. Uh, you could vote on, uh, and then they count. They even count retweets. So if you see anybody with a <laughs> yeah. All Star game, wow. they'll count retweets as well. So uh, Twitter will be buzzing there. Uh, Shake Master comes in. Start all the bots. Uh, <laughs> fire them up, boys uh well thank you guys in the chat for coming in really appreciate you guys you guys are you know always make hockey royalty uh run here um love you guys uh, being so energetic in the chat if you guys want to read our articles they're at hockeyroyalty.com articles coming out daily uh you can find us at hockey underscore royalty on twitter uh find me at rando commando 24 nhl russell and jw Paterino. Scrolling across the bottom, as always, thank you to our sponsor uh, at DraftKings Sportsbook, co-THPN. Man, we got some good games coming up, some quality wins. we got some quality opponents, but a big juggernaut uh, tomorrow uh, with Boston and going forward. Let's see the Kings keep on rolling, and and maybe we get some New Year's resolution, Rob Blake, and we can see an aggressive move uh, come February. Uh, but thank you guys again. Thank you, boys, uh, for talking some Kings talk with me, as always on this podcast Go Kings Go